Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. Happy Saturday to you. Welcome inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, here until 11 o'clock this morning, talking baseball as we do 52 weeks a year here on your radio station. We have a lot to discuss today because it has been a fascinating week in Chicago baseball that we will get to. All of the details, all of the controversy, all of the compelling uh, things that happened. But last night, we had two very, very interesting baseball games to discuss. It feels like it is the postgame show. The White Sox 2-1 losers to the Yankees in a game that was uh, had an intensity level that was very special. And it was in New York, and it was on a big stage. And the White Sox came just short in a, in a great outing by Carlos Rodon and the Cubs. Go into St. Louis for the first time in two years, the first time since 2019 in September. And Jock Peterson set the tone with the first pitch, and the Cubs romp 12-3 over the Cardinals. Plenty to discuss. Good morning, Bruce. Where do you want to start? Well, we're going to start with this, David. Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear David. Happy birthday to you. Yes, Happy sirree. Bruce, Bruce, David if you're going Hall. to sing on this radio station, you're supposed to get paid for it, okay? So I don't know that there is any, you know, it has to be a commercial. It has to be a jingle. But thank you very much. I appreciate but it. But there, there, there usually is a talent fee. They just have to find the talent first here <laughs> at my, my end. But happy birthday. Sure. Yeah, it was a great night in Chicago baseball. Not great for the outcome for the White Sox, but one of the better games that you're going to watch uh, all year took place in the Bronx with the Yankees and the White Sox. And uh, that matchup between um, uh, Carlos Rodon and Montgomery was some, something really special that uh, was history-making, David. Uh, two pitchers, first time ever, going six innings or each, 10 strikeouts or more, no walks. Never been done in baseball history. Wow. So uh, that, that was something really special. 13 strikeouts. A career high for Rodon comes up with uh, nothing but a no decision. 
And then uh, the uniqueness of uh, that uh, ninth inning where, uh, you know, the uh, White Sox look like they're ready to take hold of that game and, and go into the lead and the uh, triple play that Vaughn hits oh. into. Uh, just something that uh, if you were watching, it's going to be a game that you probably never forget. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We will be here until 11. At 9.40, we have Taylor McGregor from Marquee Sports Network. She is going to join us to talk Cubs. And at 10.30 in the second hour, we have Tyler Kepner, the national columnist from the New York Times, who had a great story this week and is all over the Yankees and will talk to us about that series. And, Bruce, you're exactly right. Let's start with the White Sox. I mean, Rodon was as sharp as he has been all year, and he's thrown a no-hitter. And he was hitting the corners. His slider was was doing things. He had nine of his 13 strikeouts were on his slider, and you thought this was going to be the White Sox's mm-hmm. night. And then that triple play was a dagger, and it was well done, and it was bang, bang, bang. And Araldus Chapman looked as shocked as everybody watching, but that is going to be one of those plays that you remember, like, okay, the Sox were on the verge of something. And, oh, my gosh, did you just see that? Yeah, it is unique. I mean, you don't, uh, I think there's only a handful of times where uh, people will even ever see a, a, a triple play, uh, even on television, because it's it's such a rarity. But uh, the uh, the smoothness of the Yankees, the way they, they pulled it off, I mean, tip your hat, uh, just was a, uh, was, a, was a great play from Urshela to the second baseman over the first. It was just uh, handled beautifully. And Nothing Vaughn did wrong except hit a ground ball at third base. That's that's the only thing he did there. That uh, that and uh, not having elite speed uh, ended up with a triple play. So pretty cool. Um, you know, again, the White Sox have been playing some really good baseball, uh, and this is a really big test for the White Sox this weekend because of the fact that, um, with all due respect to Minnesota and Kansas City, the White Sox have just finished. 13 games in a row against those teams where they beat them up pretty good. And that's what good teams do uh, when they're running to try to be a championship caliber team is beat up uh, the little sisters as well um, because of the fact that they have to go and uh, get this job done regardless of who the opponent is. And that's that's exactly what it is there. Uh, you, you see uh, the White Sox playing their best baseball. The pitching has been outstanding. It stayed that way yesterday. And that's yep. really, you know, you talk about the offense, you talk about injuries, but uh, the White Sox pitching has really been the story of the year. I've got a question for you about that pitching, but I want to hear from the listeners as well. 312-644-6767. Whose weekend is bigger, the White Sox in New York or the Cubs in St. Louis? The Sox are sitting there 26-17 and after a 2-1 to loss. They still have a two-and-a-half game lead in the division the Cubs meanwhile they improved to 23 and 21 and I said on the Mullen Haw show yesterday Bruce that this is a weekend where they could declare what they want to be this year this is a big one for the Cubs and you, you go back and forth in terms of which game was more exciting last night I think the Cubs had the romp the White Sox had the, the nail biter I wanted to ask you about this though Bruce when the ninth inning began but the White Sox and they were knotted up at one at one apiece and you saw Evan Marshall going back to the mound to pitch the ninth inning. Did you think that should have been Liam Hendricks? Did you think that Tony Lewis should have gone to his closer in a way that Aaron Boone went to Raldis Chapman in a tie game? Because when he didn't, it, it left him open to second-guessing a baseball decision. Not necessarily, we've done enough second-guessing of Tony Larusa all week. We'll get to that later. 
but did you think that that was an opportunity to go to Liam Hendricks at that spot? Uh, no, I didn't. I just thought that, uh, you know, he was going to use his setup man there. And then if it went to, uh, to 10, uh, that it was going to be, uh, it, it was going to be Hendricks. But I mean, you can say, you know, Hendricks should have come in in the tie game in the ninth. You could, you could be right about that. If, if you have to make the decision right then and there, uh, Tony was wrong again. So there's another game he didn't win. Uh, no, I'm not or saying he... that. I, come on. Don't no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not I arguing with it. I think question, it's. Though. I think it's a fair question. It is, uh, but it, you know, it's it's something that uh, you know the manager decides there that uh, he either goes into the tie game or he doesn't. Uh, you either hold the tie, or you lose the game. They lose the game. Now Hendricks himself has had some problems over the last uh, week or ten days. So let's. Let's be honest about it. He's blown a couple saves. That's right. Uh, and and uh, it, it's, it hasn't been perfect going. So uh, there's, always, there's also something else to consider with a uh, mentality for a closer, and that is they just don't do as well when they don't come into save situations. It's, I don't know how, if it's documented anywhere, but the eye test tells you over the years that when they come into games where it's not a save situation, for some reason, whether it's adrenaline, whether it's uh, just mindset, regardless of what it is, the success ratio is not quite there for Liam Hendricks and many, many other uh, closers who come in to just keep the game at bay. It was like that for Craig Kimbrell when he first came to the Cubs, Bruce. We saw him fail in a couple times and more than a couple when they weren't safe situations. And it was just difficult, as you point out, to explain why. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. And I get that. And you're right. Hendricks has not been has not been as sharp, maybe, as advertised and certainly not the, the consistency that you expected when he came over and signed the big contract. Maybe he will you know, rediscover that consistency later in the season. It was just one of those things in a close game with as much as it felt like, oh, my gosh, Carlos Rodon deserves to get a victory out of this game. Michael Kopech replaces him, has kind of a tough night with a home run that in that ballpark sailed out in a hurry. How many home run, How many ballparks, Bruce, is that a home run in? That's only Yankee Stadium. I, it just Even at Wrigley Field, it's not a home run. It's a fly ball. No, it ball. is. I mean, it's 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 exact. Uh, you know, it was only missing Jeffrey Jeffrey Mayer from uh, 1997. That's, <laughs> That's the only thing it was missing. Uh, the little so, kid reaching over, but so I, uh, I guess what, you know that that's that's baseball. You know, it's yeah, the know. The, uh, the ultimate game of inches, right? We always talk about it, and uh, it's unfortunate, but you know, again. It's a home run that he gave up. We can't sugarcoat it, and uh, you know that's just the way Bruce? it goes down. You know what made it tougher is that knowing from a Sox fan perspective that you got a tremendous outing from Carlos Rodon. And, and Steve and, and Jason in the booth, I think, referred to it as, as good of an outing, maybe even better stuff than he had during the no-hitter. And it was in a loss. And now today, you try, to, you try to regroup. You try to regather. You go back out against the Yankees. Oh, hello, Garrett Cole. Oh, hello, double-digit strikeout day. Oh my goodness! It's going to be difficult to manufacture runs when you only got one last night, and you're coming off a loss, and now you don't want to lose the first two games of a series that you feel like you wanted to win. Yeah, well, you know, they have a, they have as good a chance right now at the nine ten in the morning of uh, winning as they do losing. <laughs> Once the game starts, I'm with you. It's Gary Cole, and uh, it's going to be difficult. But that's what you know. We're going to find out more about the White Sox and and how good they are. We know their pitching is good. 
Uh, they're a banged-up offensive team that uh, somehow manages to put it together, and guys out of nowhere like Hamilton and Mendick uh, end up helping win games and playing positions they've never played before and getting the job done. Let's see if it continues against the good teams. Uh, they're, they're going up against two really good teams these next two series with the Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, that should give you a little bit more indication moving toward Memorial Day, uh, a third of the way through the season, of what your Chicago White Sox really are. Where's your concern level, Sox fans? 312-644-6767. Call us or text us. Meanwhile, Bruce, the Cubs, boy, was that a welcome sight for Cubs fans. The explosion down in St. Louis, the 12-3 victory, the eight-run eighth inning, I believe, and, and Jock Peterson started it out. First pitch, home run, sets the tone. Boy, is he on fire. His last, uh, since coming back from that injury stint, I think on May 4th, he is hit. His slash line is crazy 396, 435. Uh, he's got in 14 games in May, he is the guy at the top of the order that has given them what David Ross referred to as a spark. And it, it was contagious last night. And they, they, rough up, um, they rough up Carlos Martinez, and Kyle Hendricks was pretty steady again. Big victory for the Cubs. So the the way that uh, Peterson has come back, the way that Hap came back, the way that um, Horner came back from injuries, okay, I, I'm advocating a week vacation for every baseball player during the season, okay? It doesn't have to be the IL. It doesn't have to be an injury. But what we're seeing are guys – who not are only better off physically when they come back from their injuries, but they've had they've had mental days off. They've had time to prepare. They've gotten uh, their act together. In the case of Peterson, directly hitting the ball with authority the other way after uh, having been frustrated by uh, Wrigley Field in April and early May, trying to hit balls out to right field, which you cannot do. Uh, so just a just a, a, a freshness that comes upon these guys. Coming off of the IL, I you know I give Bruce. I give the medical people credit, I give the player credit, I give the metrics people credit, but it shows you that the modern player, David, Bruce, needs time off. Bruce, if you want a vacation that badly, just ask Mitch directly. I mean, you don't have to beat around the bush and advocate for players to take a week he off. Insists if you want a week off. A, he insists that. <laughs> A permanent vacation would be something <laughs> that he would be interested in. You know what's interesting, though, Bruce? It is, it, you know, it's fascinating when you see guys come back like Jock Peterson. And that's a really interesting point because it, it was almost as much of a mental break because he was pressing, because he wasn't hitting like he was at spring training. He couldn't get the ball out of the ballpark. He couldn't make contact, for goodness sakes. And Joe Madden, if you remember, he talked about how it, it breaks in the middle of a season for a manager would be a, such a – not such a bad idea because of the mental toll and strain of the job. I think the money that these guys make makes it difficult for the fan to to think, oh, gosh, what does he need a vacation for? He makes X amount of dollars you know, per game, and you break it down well, per pitch with a guy like Garrett Cole. But I think there's a balance there. there, there you make a really good point. The mental refresher is as important as any sort of physical ailment that you're trying to get better. And uh, David Ross has, has done this and talked about it yesterday as well. The fact that um, he believes that that full mental day off is the balance for him, trying to figure out between um, someone that's a little banged up and then also 
needing a day off and also needing a guy at the end of the game and not using him. There's been a couple times this year where he hasn't used guys that had days off because they were total days off. But the balance of not using that player in the eighth or ninth inning as opposed to the, the greater good for the player to just have that full day off, that's a really tough one that Ross talked about, the fact that uh, that is difficult. But in the long run, with modern players, and I'll underline modern players, that mental day off where they're told you're not playing today is essential to them getting that physical and mental rest they need. As you said, David, anybody listening here will go, well, they make $10 million, $15 million. <laughs> the, 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 the least paid guy makes $550,000 a year. They don't need days off. Yes, they do. They're human beings. They're modern human beings, and they're not machines. And if you want the best to come out of a machine, they become well-tuned machines that are well taken care of. Uh, and that—that uh, that is how you have to look at Major League Baseball players. You have to have uh, physical and mental maintenance for those players to get the very most out of them. And, Bruce, to, to support your point a little bit, it's very interesting because Jock Peterson, we saw what he did after coming back from some time off. Look what Ian Happ has done after he had, you know, certainly right. you don't want to get injured to go away to come back, but his, since he came back, he is on fire. And to some degree, Nico Horner, after he went away from – you know, the uh, the major league team for a while came back, and he has been a professional hitter, an asset in the offense uh, since he returned. There might be something to that. You might be onto something here, Bruce, because a little bit of rest might increase the pro- productivity when somebody comes back, and this Cubs lineup has been, you know, benefiting from that. You know what I, I think also you could apply it? Let's hope that it's the same thing for Jason Hayward. He's on the injured list with a hamstring, and if he comes back after some time off, boy, could they use his bat to wake up. Now, this may be one time where ownership of both the White Sox and Cubs and all the fans agree on one thing. We're paying you a lot of money. You better go out there and play every day, okay? So <laughs> that, would be the, that would be the counter to this. Um, I, I don't see how money really uh, – matters when it comes to this. They're getting paid because they are uh, the unique, uh, excellent, uh, less than 1% of the population that can play this game at a high level. Sometimes you look at it and you go, well, maybe not that high. But David, you know, in reality, um, these are unique performers who um, go out there and they're, inter- they're entertainers, number one, and they're baseball players, number two. They need days off. Understandable. Let's quick let's squeeze in a quick phone call, Bruce. Let's go out to the score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Good morning, Mickey. How are you? Uh, good. Can you hear me okay? Can hear you fine. So which rule do you guys like better? Uh, the seventh inning seven inning double headers or the fella on second in the tenth? Thanks for the go phone ahead, call, David. Mickey. You you start. I like the I, I don't like that I like this, the the tenth inning rule, but I do, and I cannot help it. And I hated three on three hockey in overtime, and I hated the idea of putting a runner on second base. But you know what? I don't walk away from extra inning games anymore. I don't wait for something to happen. I wait. I sit there and I watch, and I'm like, okay, there's going to be something that's going to happen because the runner's on second already. They could get that guy over and get that guy in. So I like that one better than the seven-inning rule, even though I understand why seven innings make sense in a doubleheader. I don't hate that one either, Bruce. I think I kind of like both of them. 
I, for, let's talk about seven inning one first. I understood during uh, the height of COVID uh, why that was necessary. Someone has to explain to me now why seven inning doubleheaders need to take place. I don't get it. I, there's, you know, David, explain to me why why we're playing only seven innings. Arm preservation. Oh, okay. Well, well, then why aren't all the games seven innings? Fan experience. Fan experience would be better. They're out of there in two hours and 20 minutes. (laughs) It's a a fair point. There's no COVID restrictions anymore, right? I don't don't get that. The man on second base, you know, from a – logistics part i i get i get that and and from the attention part i get it because once there's ties in nine innings people start leaving baseball parks people's attention you know uh wanes a bit that's it there uh, that's it Bruce. and and, and that, that's true but i still can't get over and and we didn't ask mickey which one he disliked the most um i still can't get over putting a man in a position to score who hasn't earned his way on base, okay? That is just, it's against the, the essence of sports. It's against the uh, record books of where that run goes when somebody scores. And, you know, it's not against that pitcher. It's against the team, blah, 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 blah. You know, I just, I, from that perspective, I can't get over it. The other parts are, you know, you know, they're logical. They make sense. You know, get the game over with. But the thing I, I, as a baseball fan forever, and people will attest to that. It's you know been a hundred years that I've been a baseball fan. Uh, I I just can't I just can't see where two teams have battled their butts off for nine innings, and then all of a sudden, ah, you know that's good enough. Let's put someone on base to score and get this thing over with. Yeah, all these players are act like they were born on second base and thought they hit a double or something like that. Yeah, um, it's, you know, to me, look, you and I are not going to change it on our own, uh, but you asked me uh, which one I prefer the least. I would, I would have to say the 10-inning uh, the uh, rule because it's, it's alien to the rules. Seven innings is still part of the rules. They haven't defined it. Bumgarner pitched a no-hitter in my mind because he pitched a complete game. There was no more uh, innings to pitch. Uh, it was a complete game no-hitter. It just happened to be seven innings. And uh, if you like that, fine. If you don't, you don't. Uh, again, um, quickening up the game, I get it. You know, getting people's attention span, I get it. But uh, going totally alien to what the game's all about, yeah, I'm not a fan. He is Bruce Levine. I am David Haw. We are here inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. We will talk to Taylor McGregor from the Marquee Sports Network. We've got Tyler Kepner in the second hour. Stay with us until 11 here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast carlos martinez first pitch jock peterson hits a high fly ball deep right center field back toward the wall that ball is going to be gone a home run for jock peterson on the very first pitch he sees now that's the way to raise a curtain Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Dave Hall with the line until 11 o'clock. That was Pat Hughes from last night, one of many Cubs highlights here on The Score. You can listen again tonight. The Cubs back in action, national televised game, Bruce, and it's going to be something that's going to make it difficult. Sync up your radio with the, the nationally televised Fox game. Cubs, Cardinals, Alzali, Michaelis. It's going to be a good matchup, and I feel like the Cubs set the tone for this series, and they responded to – it wasn't urgency, Bruce, I think, that awaited them in St. Louis, but for the first time in two years, when you go into a, a ballpark where they have Arenado, they have a first-place lead, they are the Cardinals, Cubs made a statement last night, and now they can make another one tonight, and if they win this series, to me that says something very loudly about this season. The biggest statement they made is that Kyle Hendricks is back to being Kyle Hendricks. Even in the last four starts, there were three real good ones. He won them. But uh, the one that he didn't uh, win against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, uh, he pitched really well. There were some some real bad luck bloopers and broken bad hits uh, during uh, that outing. So it starts with more getting more length out of the starting pitching. And, and Hendricks has to be the ace, the staff, after Darvish being traded. Uh, he assumes that role, and you you need that that guy that everyone can count on, at least every five days to go out there and uh, and dominate. And he's been doing that. More length out of the you know Davies. Uh, we have seen a little bit out, more out of Williams, but uh, David Ross 
is adamant about not losing the games that that Williams starts, and he gets him out of there really fast. Two starts ago, it was two innings. Last one, four and a third, um, 77 pitches. So uh, there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's the length of the uh, that are going to keep the Cubs contending uh, if they're going to stay there. And there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and you don't want to overstate the significance of a series in May. But I do think people are waiting for the Cubs to declare a lane, perhaps, this season. And I think Mm -hmm. among those people are Jed Hoyer, who spoke the other day about where he is thought-wise and philosophy-wise and looking at this season. And he was asked about, you know, trying to thread the needle between you know, having your players have a good year and keeping them versus having your players become trade bait. I'm just trying to keep an open mind about this team and about about the deadline. And, and right now it's whatever today is, you know, May 20th. Um, there's a lot of time, you know, there's, you know, two months and 10 days. And there's, there, I do feel like, um, of course, you think about these different things, but, but trying to have an, an open mind and thinking about like, you know, this – give that time. There's, there's plenty of time before the trade deadline for, for things to happen. And um, rushing that decision doesn't seem prudent. You know, I think that when, you know, that hopefully we continue to perform well and, and, and make that, make that decision obvious. Um, and I, I think we should give it time to, to see that out. That was Jed Hoyer the other day, Bruce. I'm glad that he is patient. I hope that he practices what he is preaching because the Cubs look like they're beginning to get it, and this weekend in St. Louis, if they win that series, it would be a resounding yes if people to answering the question of are, are, is this team ready to prove that it's legitimate? Well, the other side of it is that he hasn't talked to any of the agents for the free agents, and he said at some point he's going to have to um, just to either give them a heads up or talk about the future, whatever it's going to be. Um, He's got to make a decision between now and July 31st whether or not um, it's worthwhile to try to win this season and not get anything back for Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo if they leave as free agents. And uh, no one should feel bad about the, about this for the Cubs. Uh, I mean, they've tried over the years to sign these players to long-term deals. Uh, from the players' side, the deals haven't been what uh, they feel uh, that – their real worth is so therefore you have these guys on the cusp of of being free agents and possibly leaving uh it it would be interesting to take a fan poll david to find out how they feel about whether it's worthwhile for this year to keep those guys regardless try to win and then get nothing back for them and start over again in 2020. Well, two things to that bruce of course the fans want to be in it what who who would who would advocate when you're sitting here two games back of the Cardinals on, on May 22nd, you're 23 and 21. And I know the contractual realities that we have talked about ad nauseum. Why wouldn't you want the Cubs to go for it? And I don't think that it's Jed Hoyer's question necessarily to answer independently or alone. This is a Tom Ricketts question. If you want to keep Chris Bryant, if you want to have the resources to sign Anthony Rizzo, if you want to add a, a third guy to the mix and say, okay, Javi Baez too, that's not Jed Hoyer's question to answer. That's got to be ownership. And we have yet to hear from Tom Ricketts, and I think everybody's waiting to see what direction this goes and what he says about the question you just asked. 
Uh, an interesting retort and, uh, and a very well thought out one. Uh, we will come back and talk about that and more with Taylor McGregor from the Marquee Network. Uh, lots more coming, including Chin Music, as well right. as Tyler Kipner and you at 312-644-6767. This is Inside the Clubhouse. He's David. I'm Bruce. We're with you every week, 60, every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year. Talking baseball on the score. That's the way you play the game, right? You got it. Fly ball, shallow right. This is going to do it. Chris Bryant will make the catch, and the Cubs win the ball game 12-3. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine. That was Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer last night, the final call from the Cubs' 12-3 victory over the Cardinals, and we are pleased now to go out to the guest hotline brought to you by El Pomani Nissan. El Pomani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. That is where we find Taylor McGregor, who does a terrific job for Marquee Sports Network covering the Cubs, getting the human interest stories and everything else. Taylor, good morning. How are you? Morning. Good to be on with you guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Let's start with just where you think this Cubs team is as they're coming off a big victory last night and how big this weekend is in the context of determining what kind of season this will be for the Cubs. I think they're playing pretty complete baseball as of late. You know, we've seen different holes at the beginning. It was the starting pitching and then the offense and the bullpen for a couple weeks, but it seems like it's all meshing right now. But uh, of course, over the course of 162 game season, there's going to be slumps in different aspects. But I think when the team is, is complete, like it is right now, I think you get really excited about what could potentially happen. And we've talked a lot about the NL central being, a division that's really up for grabs from anybody. And I think last night was um, encouraging. Now, I think the Cardinals are a better team than what we saw out of last night, no doubt. But they have holes as well. And, and their their bullpen has been a hole for them all season long. And the Cubs were able to expose that. So I just think it's going to be exactly what we all predicted it to be. It's going to be a tight race in the NL Central. Taylor, a pleasure having you on this morning and uh, working with you as well. Uh, three days a week over at the Marquee Network is a lot of fun. I, I wonder if uh, you have a good feel for what David Ross is all about as the manager of the Cubs now that he's in his first real full season. We're approaching, uh, you know, getting close to almost the amount of games that he managed uh, the entire season last year. And uh, what you see from his, him as a manager, what, what's your take on David Ross? Well, first of all, Bruce, thanks for having me on. Of course, it's good to be on with you as well. My take on David Ross, I think he is a, a manager who's going to instill a winning culture. And I think you hear that a lot with little things they can do to win ball games. And um, I think what's been what's been fun about watching this team lately is they haven't been so reliant on the long ball. And that was a topic of discussion early on in the season and really last year as well, but they're manufacturing runs. They're playing good baseball. And I think that's, that stems from him, you know, doing the right things to win, whether that's going first to third or, you know, calling the hit and run. Like that was something he, he talked a lot. Well, not a lot, but he has talked about so far this season of, you know, kind of developing those managerial instincts and not being, 
reliant on a scouting report or, you know, information that you get before the game, but really trying to use your instincts. And of course, yes, all of that information is valuable, but using your instincts as well. And um, I think when you put all that together, it just, it just brings a formula that you're going to be able to sneak out wins um, even on nights when maybe things don't go your way. But if you can kind of do those little things right, eventually those are going to add up and, and I think that's what we're seeing so far. So, Taylor, you, before you came to Chicago, you spent a lot of time in Colorado covering the Rockies. And, and I think that when you watch this Cub-Cardinals rivalry in the series, what's new about it this year is Nolan Arenado. And when you see the kind of numbers he's putting up, you're like, oh, my gosh, did he have to go to St. Louis if you're a Cubs fan? But when you watch him play on a regular basis, as you have been able to do throughout the course of his career, you know, it is – how, how much of an impact, and how do you explain the kind of seamless transition he has made, and, and what kind of impact do you think he will make on this team and in this rivalry? Because, boy, he doesn't look like his, he, there's any adjustment period. He just is, he continues to rake. Yeah, he continues to rake, and he continues to play really good defense. Although last night we saw a few uh, uncharacteristic errors, I think, from Yadier Molina and Nolan Arnato, but um, Nolan is is an elite defender. There's a reason he has so many gold gloves. Um, when I was there and I was a reporter, I was constantly talking to people around baseball. Well, what do you see from him and, and this, that, and, and everybody would just say his instincts are unbelievable. His instincts defensively. It's like he knows where the ball's going to go before it even comes off the bat. And so he's an elite defender. And so I think that sort of defense can change can change a game or in last night you know when you don't execute defense it can change a game as well because it kind of broke open the game when they weren't able to execute some defensive plays but I think uh, you know over again over the course of the season that defense is going to be a game changer for them I mean he's he's elite and the bat is he's always been a very consistent hitter I think the national narrative of Coors Field is always interesting to me because hitters always get tacked for, oh, it's Coors Field, and, oh, you hit a lot of extra base hits there or home runs, and so your average is going to be up and, and all of that. But what they fail to realize is that there's an adjustment period every single time you leave Coors Field because of the altitude. The balls break differently, and so guys – struggle the first couple of games when they go on the road and it takes them time to adjust and so you know if you're going on the road and having to adjust for 40 games out of the season like that's a big chunk of numbers and especially your numbers on the road that you're adjusting to and so all of that being said I think Nolan is just continuing what he's always been doing but I think he's actually now he doesn't have to worry about sort of that adjustment factor and I think you're really seeing the type of hitter that he is. I mean, he's a baseball junkie. He is obsessed with hitting and obsessed with the game. And uh, he's a really, really dynamic player. And I think when you have good players in your your division, of course, you know, they're going to play a role. Now, what that role exactly is and how much it impacts this, this Cubs-Cards rivalry and how many, you know, wins does he – does he add? I'm not sure, but he is a very, very talented player. There's no doubt. Taylor McGregor of the Marquee Sports Network joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for just a few more minutes. Taylor, when you uh, look at your job and the uniqueness of uh, you know being out there and doing features uh, inside the ballpark, 
uh, with the players, with fans, uh, just the ballpark being such a big connection to what you do on your job. Uh, has has this experience of COVID uh, for you, and, and maybe you can guess about other people that do your job, made you better reporters, more resilient, uh, more creative, because of the fact that you, you didn't have as many things available to you as you normally did on that job in Colorado? I think that's the hope, right? That's the positive mentality speaking within myself um, and, and reporters all across the league because there's been a ton of adjusting and we're none of us are able to do our job the way that we're used to do it and, and you guys as well. So, yes, I hope in the long run it makes me better. I think it certainly has opened doors and ideas for me of where to look for stories and kind of how to dig for information, probably more than um, I've ever done in the past. Because when you're around the guys, we talk about this so much, conversations happen organically and you find out information organically, but now it's very intentional. You kind of have to search out, search for information and search for those stories. So I, I, I do hope in the long run that it makes me a better reporter and it makes everybody a better reporter because, you know, if we're all better reporters, it's good for the game of baseball. And I'm a big fan of the game of baseball. And I love, I, I would love that. So I, I like the way you've approached it though, Taylor. I, I, and I say that because as somebody that, you know, for years wrote stories about people's backgrounds and, and now talks about him and, and still looks for those kind of angles, you know, whether it's Trevor Williams' dad or, or P.J. Higgins' parents. I mean, you, you seem to find them, and I, and I know the team is very helpful, but I do think that you have to look at things a certain way to be able to find them. And so I just wondered if you could just broadly discuss your approach when you see a new player come to a team or the beginning of a series. What do you look for? in terms of wanting to share with your audience something that they may not be able to see just by watching the game? I think the biggest thing for me is viewing these athletes as people. They're, to me, because I have close proximity to them, I guess I don't have a ton of close relationships right now, again, because of COVID, um, but with the proximity, you just see them as people. And so I think that first and foremost is something that as a reporter, I feel like is very valuable because when you can see them as people, then it helps you kind of figure out, okay, what is this person like and how can I portray that to the audience? Now, of course there is a background information that you have to do and all of that. And, and in the off season, I go through media guides and I'll read about different guys and their background and, and try to make connections. So, you know, if I'm reading about Tommy Edmond going to Stanford, well, that's easy because I know Nico Horner went to Stanford, for example. That That's a silly one, I think, because we all pretty much knew that they were college teammates. But, you know, like uh, connections in Cape Cod. I've gotten some good stories of guys who played at Cape Cod League together or or different stuff like that where it's maybe not as obvious that there would be that connection, but when you read through bios, you can kind of put two and two together. So that's, that was my approach during the offseason is really trying to come up with stuff by reading media guides and, and doing a little bit of background information. And then I think just realizing that these guys are human beings and they all have stories, and, and when they get to the show, it's a big deal for them. And so, you know, I want to be able to tell what that's like for them. So that's kind of my approach. I think it changes daily. Uh, you know, some things happen and, and you try to grab information, but that's kind of the overall approach. 
Taylor, we appreciate your time very much. It's been great getting to know you and working with you, and we look forward to better days ahead as far as reporters so that uh, we don't have to rely on Zoom and everybody's same information to uh, dig in there and get the stories that people count on us to get done. Have a great weekend, and uh, thanks again for joining David and uh, myself on Inside the Clubhouse. Thanks, Taylor. Hey, anytime, guys. You guys are the best. Love listening to you. Taylor McGregor, the Marquee Sports Network, does a great job, Bruce. And it's not easy given the circumstances and given the parameters and restrictions, as you know. It's a different dynamic when you're not allowed in the clubhouse. You're not allowed to forge those relationships and develop those. And it's even more difficult for somebody coming into the market for the first time, as she is, and having to do, do the job that they're requiring her to do. Well, you know, to her credit, she pointed out how difficult it is for all the reporters now. She, yeah. she, she spread it out there and said, hey, look, we all have to be more creative. We have to be, you know what, David? Uh, if you're a good reporter, you're a good listener. And uh, you have to well, be an even better listener now to find the story within the story when people are talking. Because uh, everybody gets the same feedback as you do. And you have to have your interpretation antenna up to make sure you're hearing what you're hearing and, and how to follow up on that. That's the, the creativity part of, of being a uh, reporter, being a writer, being a broadcaster, and it's uh, more essential now than ever. I also think it's important what she said about her overall approach and how she views her job in that seeing these players as people first. And, and that is, it sounds almost, you know, well, well, of course they are, or cliche almost but you see in the way that she approaches it that that isn't that that's indeed the case and when you do that they are it's it's easier to find these kind of stories because your conversations aren't always geared toward why are you hitting 210 with runners in scoring position why aren't you commanding your fastball and slider the way that you used to you see them in ways like okay this is his first debut this is him going against a former teammate this is him experiencing things that the audience whether it's a viewing audience, listening audience, or reading audience, can relate to. And the more relatable we can make these sports to people in our audiences, respectively, the better job we're going to be able to do. I was smiling when she said that because uh, that, to me, has been the essence of uh, being a reporter for 40 years is not approaching them, like you said, and saying, why are you throwing your curveball differently? Why, why is your grip different? But getting to know... the the person. In other words, taking the time to let them know that you appreciate them as a person as well as an athlete. And uh, even if it takes you longer to get to stories, um, no, you know, having the personal relationship with a person of more than just walking up to their locker is, is essential uh, for trust and for you know being able to do a better job uh, down the line. And also making new friends always a good thing, no matter whether they're uh, famous, making millions of dollars, or a guy that you meet in a bar or in a restaurant. It's just, that's just uh, communication at its very best. Well, Bruce, it's not going to be able to top you singing happy birthday to me, but when we come back, we've got some chin music right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.